even before he inexplicably escaped out of a 60-foot-high window of the local mental hospital. Charles Dexter Ward was a puzzling case for his doctors. Already a strange and reclusive young man when he was sane, Charles now exhibited such symptoms as incomplete memory loss, antiquated speech patterns and handwriting, personality changes, and even small physical alterations. But while the nature of his madness remained a mystery, the cause of it seemed clear. The trouble had all started when Charles became obsessed with digging up information on his great-great-great-grandfather, Joseph Kerwin, a sinister shipping magnate from Salem, with a reputation for practicing alchemy, lurking in graveyards, importing large quantities of coffin-shaped objects, buying far more livestock than his small household should need, and stubbornly refusing to age normally. You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. The following podcast may contain adult language, conversations surrounding adult situations that may not be suitable for younger listeners, as well as spoilers for the films discussed on this podcast. You have been warned. Now, come on in. Destroyed on sight. Okay, we're back. It's They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 102. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and joined by my co-host, Paul Romali. How are you doing, sir? Hello. I'm doing good. Doing good. Cool. And we're continuing our little look at uh, Lovecraft-inspired films. And uh, not to uh, get ahead of ourselves, but I think we have a really good one this time out. We'll be looking at The Resurrected from 1991. I don't think we have any house cleaning. We have mm-hmm. no stuff we've watched, no stuff we've bought as the last little while. So unless there's anything else you want to talk about, we could get right into the movie, honestly. No, there's not really anything. And, you know, Greg was, there was no real tits in the old one for Greg to talk about. So there's nothing there. So, yeah, unfortunately. Mmm, great coffee. Mmm. Hey. Hmm? Chad, who's that strange, somber man on the cover of that book you're reading? Oh, that's H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, I've heard of him, but I never really got into his stuff. It's kind of strange and hard to read. No, I used to think that, too. But that all changed when I started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. What's that? The H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast is a weekly podcast. Tell me more. These two really smart and hilarious guys give a synopsis of the story, then they talk about its background, the critical views, and what it says about the author. Well, where can I listen? Let me tell you, Chris. You can go to hppodcraft.com or, heck, just subscribe through iTunes. It's that easy. Oh, Chad, I'm so excited. Now I can listen to this podcast and pretend to all my snooty friends that I actually read and understand H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, that's what I do. <laughs> oh, dear. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? 
An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hell Ming. Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. Hollywood released the first sequel in 1916. I'm sure you can all say it along with me. Los Locos kick your butt. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. Which is poetry. Yeah, it is. But not Uh, enough gangs have theme songs. And they've been churning them out ever since. Uh, The catcher, played by Tom Bergeron, whose name is... Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Did I say Tom Tom Berenger? You said Tom Tom Bergeron Bergeron from Dancing with the Stars is in this movie. Hi, I'm the catcher. (laughs) How do you sort out the good? Fred is the real hero of this movie. He's employing the homeless. He's he really back is. On their feet. Yeah. And he promised them uh, McDonald's. From the bad. Usually he's crying a lot more when he's making this much <laughs> sexual small talk with a woman. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to him for keeping it together. From the ugly. True fact, at this point in the movie, I wrote pointless, pointless, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I had written birds birds I birds I, I think <laughs> i threw my notebook like what three times yeah like at I the was, end i was having you put it back into your hand but i wrote birds 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 <laughs> join brad and jeremy so, so snooze sue sneaks out yep snooze sneaks. i couldn't say snooze sneaks snooze sneaks out snooze sneaks out to go find the military <laughs> so yeah, so Sue sneaks out, Sue sneaks out. <laughs> to, to go talk to the Silver Surfer because she wants to figure out <laughs> to the Silver Surfer. Can this Silver Surfer? I think we completely lost it. Oh, eight episodes in, I think we're just I think we're crazy. We're done. Good night, uh, folks. On the Deuce Podcast. Check us out on Facebook at thedeucepodcast.podbean.com, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Well, I've never touched a bra before.
Don't, don't yell at me. You never touched a bra? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, whatever. I've moved. I mean, I don't. No, I don't shop for. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the sequel is king. Badasses, boobs, and body counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark, if you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look way down the river, and what do you think I see? I see a band of angels and they're coming after me. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look down yonder, Gabriel. Put your feet on the land and see. But Gabriel, don't you blow your trumpet till you hear from me. There ain't no grave can hold my 
body down Ain't no grave can hold my body down Jesus, meet me, meet me in the middle of the air, and if these wings don't fail me, I will meet you anywhere, ain't no grave can hold my body down, there ain't no grave can hold my body down, well meet me mother and father, meet me down the river road. And mama, you know that I'll be there when I check in, my Lord. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. It is hard to explain just how a single sight of a tangible object with measurable dimensions could so shake and change a man. And we may only say that there is, about certain outlines and entities, a power of symbolism and suggestion which acts frightfully on a sensitive thinker's perspective and whispers terrible hints of obscure cosmic relationships and unnameable realities beyond the protective illusions of common vision. Resurrected from 1991. Then, from the author of Terror, H.P. Lovecraft. From the director of Return of the Living Dead. There's no evil in what I do, so long as I do it rightly. The Resurrected. I have struck depths that your little cannot fathom. He lived centuries ago. Just to be expected, the dead take much blood. But for him, Death was only the beginning. The cops found eight. Count them eight boxes of human remains. Turns out they've had a rash of tomb snatchings over in Europe. Now, this wizard from the past. Don't you understand what's going on down here, Lonnie? He beat death. Has teamed with a man from the present. He's talking about bringing people back from the dead. To create an evil that will last forever. As the hunger grows, I control. Well, surely we can. The best we could hope for it is to somehow diminish Charles's homicidal and cannibalistic impulses. The curse of the formerly dead is the hunger. And it will not be denied. Chris Sarandon of Fright Night and Child's Play. I've drawn down demons from the stars. There'll be no salvation for these. John Terry of In Country and Full Metal Jacket. Jane Civet of television's The Famous Teddy Z. The destinies of all things, living and dead. Directed by Dan O'Bannon, who you may know from Return of the Living Dead. 
he directed that, although he mostly is known for doing screenwriting. When he was still alive, he was basically getting a check anytime they made a movie that had anything to do with the Aliens franchise because he did mm. the uh, sort of the first version of the script for that. And, of course, this is based on the story written by H.P. Lovecraft, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, and the screenplay is done by Brent V. Friedman, who actually uh, did one of the segments for uh, Necronomicon that we covered ah. last week. Yeah. Was it the first one he did? Um, I think he did the wraparound. I think that's what it was, yeah. Okay. So so there you go. It's uh, starring John Terry as John March, Jane Sibbett as Claire Ward, Chris Sarandon as Charles Dexter Ward slash Joseph Kerwin, Robert Romanus as Lonnie Peck, Lori Briscoe as Holly Tender, Ken Carmo Taylor as Captain Ben Sandor, hmm. Patrick Pete Pond as... Zendor and uh, Patrick P. Pawn as Raymond and Bernard Cuffling as Dr. Waite. And I'll just get into a little bit of synopsis here. We just pulled one from Internet Movie Database. Charles Dexter Ward's wife enlists the help of a private detective to find out what her husband is up to in a remote cabin owned by his family for centuries. The husband is a chemical engineer and the smells from his experiments and the delivery of what appears to be human remains at all hours are beginning to arouse attention of the neighbors and local law enforcement officials. When the detective and wife find a diary of the husband's ancestors from 1771 and reports of gruesome murders in the area begin to surface, they begin to suspect that some very unnatural experiments are being conducted in the old house based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. Yeah, I think that kind of... Gives yeah, you a general outline. Pretty there. much sums it up, yeah. Well, basically, yeah. This is a story that, honestly, um, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, this is one I haven't read since I was a kid. It's one of the few Lovecraft ones I hadn't revisited, and I was uh, I actually did re-listen to the audiobook version of it uh, mm. for, for this podcast, and um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I forgot how good it actually was. This is like one of his... His longer stories uh, might actually be his longest, if I'm not mistaken. And this is one that he never published while he was alive. It was published after he died in, I think, 1941 was the first time. But mm-hmm. uh, w- what do you think of the story this this movie's based on, though? Well, I mean, the story is 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 amazing. I always thought that the story was. It's been like a long, like you said, a long time since I've actually touched on the story or the film because I just don't feel and uh but no and the thing is this one is one of those ones that i i touched into after i did like at the mountains of madness after i started getting into his longer and longer works because this Mm -hmm. one's a long ass story yeah but i like it because it's got the twists and turns that i just like and the the creatures that he's he's bringing back from the dead and the salts and it's just a different way to look at some the 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 different take of the reincarnation kind of aspect and I'd never and seen I think this. The, the story does pretty, the movie does a pretty good job. I can agree. Uh, this is one I've never seen before, so um, I was definitely interested in checking this out when you suggested it when we were trying to think of movies to do for this little series. And mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised with how good this actually was. I was like, wow, that's very, very close to what actually is in the actual story. Like, they've basically just taken the story and they've changed the chronology of the actual narrative around a bit. Mm hmm. And they've put it into this context of a detective story. Like they, you know, they had they had to invent a couple things here and there to make it a more viable horror movie in the late eighties, early nineties kind of mm-hmm. period. But for the most part, they don't really touch Lovecraft's story at all. They don't change it at all. I like mean, they they basically change names and places and and mm-hmm. genders. I mean, because mm-hmm. de- technically, you know, Doctor Willett 
is the detective, as far as I remember. They changed him into a detective. And then the, mm-hmm. the, the father, Mr. Ward, was actually the wife in this one because they changed yeah. it to a wife that's worried about him. That's right. And other than that, it's pretty much bing, bang, boom. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 I mean it's amazingly bing, bang, boom. Yeah, they, 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 they modernize it because the original, the original story that Lovecraft wrote, it's set contemporary. It's set in the 1920s. So so here they they update it to the early nineties. So hey, why why not introduce private investigator into this? Because technically that kind of makes more sense, honestly, than the family doctor in investigating this uh conspiracy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting story. Like they do sort of leave out a little bit of parts here and there. Like they, they leave out the idea of this Joseph Kerwin character basically in this vast conspiracy with other necromancers mm-hmm. who, yeah, who they, they do that. They, they leave out the, uh, I'm trying to remember the name they, they do. They, they, cause there's a big back and forth with letters that they, mm-hmm. they do in the story and the, and the different theories they have for things. And there's a very different language they use in these letters that are very, that's very intriguing. The old language they use. And, um, yeah. basically, and then they even reference, I even do think they reference the starry, the starry night, sect which is in the haunter of the dark yeah was it uh the the, the uh the order of starry wisdom or something yeah, starry wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah, the, yeah the order of starry wisdom that's the cult from haunter of the dark yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they also reference that in the hp lovecraft stories with robert block was it robert block stories when they do like the horror of the middle span they, they reference Starry Wisdom. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, this this story was actually the first one to reference uh, Yog Sagoth as a yeah. as a yes. god monster, mm-hmm. demon, whatever, in a Lovecraft story. And yeah, I think it wasn't Robert Block. It was uh, Brian Lumley who, who, Brian, who Brian Lumley. Yeah, who um, actually took one or two characters from this story and like expanded upon them. Like one of the necromancers that Joseph Kerwin is in league with. Uh, they, he does like a story on him doing stuff in Europe, you know. This is a story Lovecraft didn't like. Um, right. But because he thought it was too antiquated, I guess he thought it was too kind of Edgar Allan Poe almost to a certain mm-hmm. degree, I think. And well, it's he, old gothic horror kind of. Yeah. Too. It's too gothic horror Yeah, but um, the way they play it out in this, I, I really like it. I, I like the performances for the most part. I think John Terry's pretty good as John mm-hmm. March. I mean, uh, it has it has that over over dramatic horror, like full moon acting. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a little um, bit. I, I think I think the biggest problem with the acting is some of the supporting characters are a little dry. Oh, a little bit, just yeah. a touch. It's the it's the Sahara in here. It's a little dry. <laughs> but but what do you think about Chris Sarandon? Because Chris Sarandon is, roles is fucking beautiful. He mm-hmm. he actually yeah, he plays he plays the two roles. And then Doctor Allen, so three roles, and mm-hmm. then he and he plays like, like the way he just like in the story, he changes his voice and he blames it on the weather. He's trying to hide the fact that he doesn't exactly talk like you know Charles Dexter Ward yeah. things like that. It's it's great. Yeah. So to clarify for you guys listening, if you haven't seen the movie and you hadn't read the story, so um, if you haven't done that, spoilers right now. Uh, essentially, the the main crux of this is that Charles Dexter Ward has basically become obsessed with studying about his uh, family and his ancestry, mm-hmm. and he comes across this uh, chest with all these old valuables and uh, belongings of his ancestor, Joseph Kerwin, who was a suspected warlock sorcerer of some sort, but he was a mm-hmm. kind of guy who had tons of money and slaves, so he was a man about town, so he kind of uh, get away with a lot of the stuff he did. 
until eventually the town turned on him uh, with the help of a jilted lover who was in love yep. with the, the same woman. So yep. you know how that goes. Uh, and so they, they finally burnt him to death. And basically the idea here is that Joseph Kerwin was this very cagey necromancer who learned some secrets. He learned a secret spell that would allow his ancestors to be influenced into looking up their, their uh, ancestry and eventually stumbling upon the way to resurrect Joseph Kerwin from his mm-hmm. essential salts, which mm-hmm. is interesting. The, and also through the, through the portrait that looks exactly like him. Yeah. There, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a Dorian Gray kind of steel here from Lovecraft, especially in the original story where when Kerwin uh, dies in, in that, in the story, uh, the portrait, I guess, uh, or actually, I think it's just when he's resurrected, the portrait crumbles mm-hmm. as, as if it was holding his life essence or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. through some sort of um, magical means. But yeah, so basically what it is, is Charles Dexter Ward resurrects his his ancestor, Joseph Kerwin, and initially is kind of in league with him, like helping him with his stuff, because it's like, wow, great scientific discovery here. Why wouldn't he be interested in like continuing this? Until he learns that basically Joseph Kerwin is this evil motherfucker who is in this weird, vast conspiracy between him and other necromancers to basically, it's it's never really spelled out, but you can essentially think, take over the world, basically, right? Yeah, basically, I want a legion of slaves to take over the world. Yeah, and uh, the coolest angle in this, and of course, this is another thing that's kind of dropped. It's mentioned a little bit, but it's kind of dropped in the actual movie where Kerwin and his associates are resurrecting historical luminaries of science and mm-hmm. knowledge and yeah. torturing them and torturing for them for their knowledge. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the coolest part is he's They, they do a lot of reference of how did Corwin know about this and how did no, you know about this is because they're actually resurrecting people from the time to, to basically blab on things and find out different information that they can use to his advantage. Right. And, yeah. and and Lovecraft is pretty sly in a story. Like he doesn't name names, but one of them has the initials BF for mm-hmm. and it, it's Benjamin pretty obviously Franklin. Yeah, pretty obviously Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um I love I love that about that story. It's like it's just incredibly creepy the idea that mm-hmm. these guys are grave robbing all these historical figures and and it goes to the idea like Lovecraft is big on corruption. Of, of people like alien influences on people, corruption of them in body and in spirit. The, he, he sort of takes that idea. This is an older trope, but he sort of reinfuses it with his own ideas as well. The idea that is your, if you're resurrecting someone from their essential salts, if you're resurrecting them from the remains, those remains have to be intact enough to, to bring them back to a state where they're fairly normal. Otherwise they're corrupted. And there's all these examples of this, uh, corruption when um, they eventually discover that Kerwin has this vast labyrinth layer underground with, with all these uh, failed resurrections mm-hmm. in, in it. <laughs> yeah. I like how the, f- I do appreciate how far in depth the film took the chance to make it like the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with, even with the jilted lover that they could have so easily over overpassed that. Yeah. They, they just didn't... went, Oh, something happened. The next thing you know, if uh, experiments went into the ocean or river, they found at the end. Like they could have, you know, but they they made sure the diary was in there with the jilted lover, and why this? And they found the door, 
But and 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 unfortunately, in the story, the door gets basically washed out, and nobody can find out where the door any ever after then. But with yeah. this, they did overlook that. But it's still a nice setup to expose Corrin. You know what I mean? They did a good job. And I also appreciate that the film retains uh, Joseph Kerwin, like just how sly a bad guy he is. Mm-hmm. Um, like because in the story, the actual story. It's it's told from the perspective of uh, the doctor, the family doctor, who is recounting all the events uh, because Joseph Kerwin at the time was in a mental uh, he, Charles Dexter Ward, I should say, is who they think is Charles Dexter Ward mm-hmm. um, is actually in a mental institution because Joseph Kerwin and Charles Dexter Ward look exactly the same. And at some point, Joseph Kerwin basically just gets tired of Charles Dexter Ward and kills him and just takes mm-hmm. his place. Um, place, yeah. but, that was his plan all along. Yeah, Kerwin is just, you know, he, he's he's much brighter than just the usual cat, but he does speak in an antiquated way, and he makes mistakes, but he rolls with the punches, mm-hmm. and he allows himself to be institutionalized, knowing that he can bide his time and find a way out, because he's mm-hmm. essentially immortal, because he has the power of life over death. He can always come back. Mm-hmm. So that that slyness is also in this one. And the funny thing is that at this point where the story is set in even more modern times, he makes a point of saying how eventually he'll answer the doctor's questions, all the right answers, mm-hmm. and he'll be cured and he'll be freed because mm-hmm. in this enlightened age, they yeah. they don't kill the mentally insane, yeah. he you know? Says, uh, he says, I'm going to kill you, and they won't do anything about it because I am insane. Mm-hmm. And one day, because of the guidance of the great, brilliant Dr. Waite, I will make a full recovery and be released. Yep. <laughs> and, and, gain my, and gain my pardon in, because of this enlightened civilization. And I love that. Was it the... Was it, um, won't Mrs. Ward be pleased, especially when I get my teeth fixed? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he is... He's like... Char- like if they didn't get Chris Sarandon, this this film could have went total hokey. But I'm he, so glad they did because he plays it so hard. I would I would dare say he might give his best performance in this. I think this is the best I've ever seen him. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know some people probably go Fright Night or um, maybe even like. Well, no, he's great, but he's more like I, I, the thing. The way I've actually seen Char- uh, Chris Sarandon play, the, the best part about Fright Night is. I think Fright Night is the one film that I watched him in where his shoulders are kind of down. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm a vampire. Who gives a shit? Like, usually he's so, like, intense when he plays. Like, this film, mm-hmm. he's really fucking intense when he plays this shit. And it's it's great because he's playing a weakling, a scared guy, a, an insane man, a, a warlock, and, you know, all the, all mm-hmm. the whole, through the whole film. He's playing several different characters and emotions and things, and it's, he does a very good job. Yeah, and I mean in Fright Night as well, he's kind of he's kind of playing counter to Roddy McDowell, who's over the top. So mm-hmm. it just sort of behooves him to yeah, lower it down to, a bit. Because of that, he has to play a nonchalant vibe. Right. Right. And that's I actually saw right here. Um Charles was chanting again now and his mother could hear faint syllables and now uh and an intoler was it uh and sounded like Ianas Yog Sagoth Ilaba Fatag Ya. <laughs> so that's uh, the first time he actually you actually hear Yog Sodoth as a an um, actual a deity in yeah. his in the pantheon of of Lovecraft. So it's, it's very interesting. It's this film is I mean this story is so deep and intense. It had to be as long as it had to be. You know what I mean? But yeah, and it's kind of a shame. Like I think I I feel again like 
even more so than Necronomicon, this movie's kind of forgotten. It's kind of it like... Un- no, no, no. I never even heard about it until I actually was trying to look. And I was like, oh, what's this? I'll give this a go. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow, this is really good. And then because I saw I already, already read the story. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's see what this one's about. Because it didn't say resurrected the case of Charles Dexter Ward. It said yeah. resurrected. And then after I started to watch, I was like, this reminds me of something. I'm like, holy fuck, that's his story. And yeah. most of the time in today, like if you if you look at the full moon films that are out or whatever, these kind of like that kind of genre of horror and that genre in that age, the mm-hmm. 90s, most people would have looked at this story and went, that's too complicated. We're not doing it. Yeah. It's like they need they need silly gimmicks of some sort, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's or like... they would have, they would have taken it. Let's keep the reanimating dead shit. Let's move everything away. Put lots of tits into it, and at some point in time, a killer doll. The end. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Dan O'Bannon originally had more humor in in this film. Apparently, they apparently uh, the producers took it away from him and cut most of the humor out. And you know what? I'm kind of glad they did. I'm glad because, they did that because I yeah. like the subtle. I like the subtle. The thing that the part that I find funny is when Curran is being a dick. That's what I find funny. When he's mocking people, their own stupidity, like the, that, that I find funny. And when my, one of my funniest lines is, because it kind of kind of comes out of nowhere, he goes, Mr. Marsh, may I call you John? I feel like I know you. Like, that, the stuff like that. Like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I just find it fucking hilarious. I should, I, I guess we should mention the special effects here. Uh, I think they're across the board great. Like, mm-hmm. You you still got some practical stuff. Well, it's all practical stuff, and then you. I think there's some like rotoscoping maybe here and there with with some of the like the final scene there where um, where uh, March uh, resurrects Charles Dexter Ward to uh, basically take Kerwin down. Mm-hmm. Um, there there's some there, but I, it all looks good. Like I, I watched a, I think I watched a VHS print of this, or just like a really bad uh, copy from the DVD on mm-hmm. YouTube, and then I also watched it. Uh, uh, in HD as well on a more illicit source, and it looks really good. Like I don't mm-hmm. see any, you know, no, no wire. And, and this one is just getting a Blu-ray release now too. Yes, until now, this was pretty much only available uh, over here on Lionsgate uh, for a DVD release in 2005, and I think there was maybe one other. But our good friends from Shout Factory are going to be releasing this next mm-hmm. month, September 17th, I believe, on Blu-ray. And just what they like to do with really cool artwork. Yeah. And, of course, they always have the reversible artwork, too. So you'll get the original artwork, and then you'll get the new artwork. Uh, so mm-hmm. oh, always always good stuff. And I, I looked at the supplements. They, they finally listed those. Um, looks pretty goddamn good. Uh, getting getting more and more convinced to get a Blu-ray player here, because this is actually what yeah, I, I want to own. The funny thing is we were just saying, let's do Resurrect, and I, I popped up because you were talking about Blu-rays, and I just saw mm-hmm. that, oh, now they're releasing a Blu-ray of Resurrect, and if he likes this, he's going to have to get a Blu-ray player now. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I, I actually want to own this. I think it's actually, it's hard It's hard for me to say because I have seen a lot of Lovecraft adaptations, and there's some, especially the shorter films that I think maybe even hit Lovecraft better, but... As far as like feature length Lovecraft adaptations go, mm. I think this might be the top of the fucking heap. I think this mm. might be the best one that's ever been made. The only thing that I can say is there's a reference to a story he did in the story itself, and then there's a reference um, to that same story in the film. 
Um, at the end of the film, he the when he's right before he's like, oh, by the way, the hunger won't be denied, and he bursts out of his shit and starts doing it. He starts talking like you know, I you know I control time and space. I call demons from the stars, fate and things belongs to me. That kind like he starts doing that mm-hmm. that line that comes from From Beyond the story, H.P. Lovecraft right. story From Beyond. The other name that is in the actual story, and I can't remember if they used the name in the film or not, the girl that he loved, I think it was Eliza, something like that, mm-hmm. Eliza, her last name is Tillinghast, which is the guy's name from, from beyond. Crawford Tillinghast, yeah. Crawford Tillinghast. So there's that little boom, boom. I love the back and forth that, that you can like see how they intermingle with each other. And I really do like it when film directors give homages, like, like little homages like that to other films and other stories in their, in their thing. Yeah, and this was, and this it's was a great probably, way to end the film too because it's an it's a basically an epic creepy speech. Yeah, yeah, and uh, in Lovecraft's original story, um, this is the, it was one of the ones where he was referencing past works too because he mentions uh, Randolph Carter in in the story. Yeah, uh, where was it? of Randolph Carter. Yeah, where the doctor knows Randolph Carter. Like Randolph Carter is essentially Lovecraft's key sort of hero. In, in in his stories, like he 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 appears in several of the stories, so uh, or is at the very least mentioned in in several of his stories. Uh, he's in the uh, the the very long um, dream quests of unknown the, the, the unknown the the unknown dream quest of the great Kadak or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and that, the best part about that story is you get a very excellent cameo, um, ah, from uh, from Pikmin. Yeah, Pikmin. Because yep. Pikmin's in it as a ghoul. Mm-hmm. He finally got turned all the way to a ghoul, so he goes, oh, I'll go see my friend Pikmin. I know where he is. I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and awesome. here here we have another uh, rare Lovecraft story where the good guys win, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's basically it. They actually, I hate a fucking good ending, but unfortunately, they win. So, But it's I mean, good. You feel yeah. happy about it. I mean, I'm, that's probably another reason why Lovecraft never decided to pursue publishing this one really because it, mm. it probably didn't really fit his uh his sort of outlook on uh on life for the most yeah. part <laughs> no i know you have to understand the corrupt bad guys always win what are you doing <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean the, i mean the the biggest horror in the original story is that there's really no closure for ward's parents for the most part mm-hmm. that that's that's probably about it but mm-hmm. yeah yeah Ooh. well i mean Technically speaking, yeah, I mean, like the 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 doctor in the story, you know, and just and that's just like the 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 detective, he wins. I mean, everyone else basically dies, mm-hmm. and but the only con, con, the only consolation or whatever consolation is the detective gets to go bang the fucking wife now. Yeah, <laughs> that's different from the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the only thing because there is a really kind of lusty love triangle that. Of course, late H.B. Lovecraft would have never put in any of his stories, so yeah. that's one ooh, of the major... Ooh, sex, women, ooh, ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh cooties. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, But other than that, it's a great... I mean, I, I don't really have too much to say about this because the story the story is so intense, it speaks for itself, and the film did such a great job kind of recapsulating it that it did such a great job, too. Yeah, um, I, I, I'd say, you know, maybe the only, the only negatives, negatives again, um, some of the acting's a little spotty, and mm-hmm. some of the editing is a little abrupt. Like sometimes it will jump from scene to scene like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like some of the voiceover stuff was put in there later to try to fix some of that. Right. But otherwise this is really good. It's sadly overlooked. 
It's just one of those ones that just fell into that hole of late 80s, early 90s horror films where the, the whole the whole genre was just tanking at the box office and right. a lot of it was going direct-to-video or HBO exclusives or whatever the fuck, right? So um, this is one worth revisiting, and like we said, it's coming out in Blu-ray next month. It's worth checking out. Music was done by Richard Band, so there's your full moon connection right there, mm-hmm. uh, brother of... of uh, Charles Band. Charles Band, yep. Yeah, uh, criminal extraordinaire. Um, the budget for this was $6 million, no box office. Uh, I don't think it had a big theatrical run anyway. It was mostly mm-hmm. just like pretty much direct-to-home video. Dan O'Bannon's original cut for this ran over two hours, and they edited it down to the, what, hour and 43 minutes or whatever the fuck it was that it, it actually sits at. Apparently there is like a, I guess, an overseas blu-ray of this in germany that actually has the entire work print version of this which is like two hours and 17 minutes mm-hmm. and it actually has even more backstory and it actually does play up the romance thing between uh, march and uh, and claire as well so mm-hmm. well i was at, when i was in germany at my friend's house he went through and opened this drawer and started pulling all these excellent like special release big boxes of mm-hmm. all this horror that you'd love to find here that never got released Right. All like the unnameables and this one, Castle Freaks and Necron- all these crazy ass big boxes. I'm like, oh, you guys are so spoiled. Oh yeah, you can't I mean... get you couldn't get Halloween two for some reason, but you're getting all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> the censorship is very odd in in, in Europe. Yeah, and uh, I'll just mention that this was adapted before on film loosely in 1963. Um, Roger Corman filmed a loose adaptation of this called The Haunted Palace uh, with Vincent Price and Long Chaney Jr. And it was, uh, of course, Corman was on his big Poe kick, so it was advertised as Edgar Allan Poe's The Haunted Palace. Mm-hmm. But, it, of course, all, all they did was maybe stick like a, a Poe poem in, as a quotation somewhere. from. There the was character. a raven in there somewhere. Probably. <laughs> Jack Nicholson came out dressed as a raven and went, nevermore. Then they shot him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um unless we have anything else uh, we want to say we uh <clears throat> no i, I don't really have I, I don't have too much to say i was really hoping that daniel would be here to uh fill the gaps and he let us down yeah well what about what a bastard uh what a bastard but he did he did tell me he liked it though he liked the uh he liked the special effects so mm-hmm. yeah so you would have gotten like a whole other two minutes of him talking about how good the special effects were, and that's, that's probably what it would have been. So there oh, you go. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, what are we gonna do uh, next episode, Paul? What were you? Well, think? we were we were uh, we talked about something because I know I just threw out the resurrected because we were having such a good time, but we were talking about a couple other films. Um, do you want to? Um, you know, I mean, because there is uh, there is the Dunwich Horror, there's the Unnameable. Um, you have things like, you know, uh, From Beyond, I know you mentioned, and Castle yeah, Freak. We did two relatively unknown ones. We should maybe... Uh... I was going to say, because From Beyond, it, it death references From Beyond in this story, so maybe we should just jump there. and Just, just jump right on, the, right on the from, from Beyond, yeah. Yeah, and if we can find any reference in, uh, from another one from From Beyond, we'll jump to that one, you know what I mean? Because there's obviously, we're going to have to do Reanimator at some point in time. And yeah. Dunwich Horror. Dunwich Horror, but, yeah. And then Call Cthulhu. I mean, you have Castle Freak. You have Lurking Fear. I mean, there's that one called Dagon that I've never watched. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a lot. I don't want to watch Nightbreed. Just don't want to do it. No, I don't like Nightbreed. 
no, I, d- I don't want to have to do that. So I, I don't, I don't get the, uh, I don't get the nerd uh, horror love resurgence for Nightbreed just because yeah, it doesn't deserve like, it. So. No, it, it doesn't. It's not a good movie. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I might, I might lose some horror friends over that, but you know, I, it's it. not, it's not a good film. It's just not. And you know, so no. I don't care what they say or not. It's not a good I, film. I don't care how much uh, David Cronenberg walks around with a fucking sack over his head, killing people. It, it just doesn't pull it off for me. Nope. Sorry. If you want to, we can probably even do like from from Beyond and Reanimator in the same episode. If you want to, I don't care. Depends that would, on how you want to do it. That'd be good because you know at least at least at least one of these ones should be our usual um, exorbitant, uh, incredibly long fucking episodes where we have just way too much to talk about. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, and I've never actually watched the whole film. But Sam Elliott's at the mountain at the mouth of madness is probably we'll have to watch that too. Sam Neil, you mean? Sam Neil, sorry. Although Sam Elliott's at the mountain of madness, or, or in the mouth of madness, you mean would would be kind of interesting too? Because that, <laughs> I did. That, I, that, totally, that, I just totally said the wrong name, and I know exactly why I said the wrong name. That 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 mouth of madness would have a very large mustache on it. Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I guess we're we're wrapped up here. Paul, tell people where they can find you on the interweb. Oh, just go check me out on uh, PA Brew News, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, the whole deal. Uh, Oil Paintings by Paul Romaley on our P. Romaley on Facebook and Metal on YouTube, Funeral Dust 666. Awesome. And you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our Facebook, iTunes, and YouTube links there. Join us on Facebook. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. It's the best place to get in contact with us and leave your comments, questions, suggestions, insults, uh, spam mail, Nigerian gold schemes, uh, fake sex worker bots, and all whatever else you distribute on the yeah, internet. Yeah, and all the sake, send me all the sex worker bots. All exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah. Until then, we'll be back with From Beyond uh, next episode. And thank you for joining me, Paul. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have only this consolation, that he was never a fiend or even truly a madman, but only an eager, studious, and curious boy whose love of mystery and of the past was his undoing. He stumbled on things no mortal ought to ever know and reached back through the years as no one ever should reach, and something came out of those years to engulf him.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>